Welcome to Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris, where we talk about relevant issues as it relates to individuals in grief as they navigate finances and the advisors who help them. We help clients in grief navigate financial matters. We also teach advisors how to emotionally and financially work with clients in grief through an unparalleled process. This week's podcast is sponsored by Life After Grief Financial Planning and Life After Grief Consulting. So the question uh, that I've been asked in regards to my parents, was it all bad? No. Would I change anything? No, I wouldn't. It's my experience, and I dealt with it uh, the way that I did, and it's made me who I am today. I wouldn't change the experience because it's given me a lot of street smarts, I can tell you that. And um, I wouldn't change it because it's developed me into the man that I am today. And I can tell you for a lot of years, um, in particular, dealing with women, that I had two polarizing opposite views. One view was a learned behavior that I had uh, witnessed. I didn't know that I was witnessing this. And then I had this moral compass and they would always clash And I would normally go the route of the moral compass. And particularly when I got married to Anne Marie, I had, you know, just this polarizing uh, opposite forces going against each other. Should I get married or should I keep chasing, you know, women? Should I get married? And then I chose the right path. And so that was a very good, you know, humbling trade. And one of my aunts said this um, to me. She said, Chris, we always knew that you were strong and that you would make it through, you know, your situation. And that meant so much to me. So there had been, um, for me, abuse when I was in Kansas City before the age of eight. And I didn't know any different um, than anybody else. I thought it was normal. However, when I moved to Florida and I was by myself. I didn't have any family members to kind of uh, bail me out um, or my brother. Uh, My brother was back in Kansas City. It was all on me. And I quickly realized that I had to survive. And the way that this kind of went down, every day that I came home, I developed this particular skill. I knew that I had to leave home before my mom got home or my mom would physically or emotionally lay into me. And I had no idea what it was coming from. And it was because of my dad's infidelity and my mom not having any way of outwardly dealing with it that she could figure out other than, you know, my brother and I, when we were together in Kansas city and then me by myself. And so it was on a daily basis. And the way that I dealt with it is I simply left. So I developed early time management skills I knew that I would get home before my mom, approximately an hour before my mom got home. And in that hour, I had to finish all my homework. And if I did not, then there would be other repercussions. So in that hour, I finished all of my homework and I left. And that was probably four o'clock. And I would leave till probably seven, seven thirty. And my dad would get home and then dinner would be ready. And I did that for a number of years and whether it was going to play basketball or whether it was going to a friend's house, that was my routine. And that was how I escaped the abuse that was going on. 
And, um, you know, when I got home, after my father got home, things seemed to have settled down. Um, but I was dealing with that for a number of years, you know, by myself, because again, I didn't have any family members to extract me out of the situation. And furthermore, because I wasn't seeing a great dynamic between my mother and father, I gravitated to friends who I thought had good family dynamics in their lives. And so then I started to develop, you know, positive attributes of a good family situation. And, you know, then I began getting more friends who had good dynamics um, of situations. So that was how I kind of developed at an early age, kind of by myself, simply having to survive. I'm going to get into the part about, you know, it wasn't all bad. Something else that was important to me when I was kind of going through this um, mental fog, if you will, after the grief trigger and kind of coming to some realizations, I wanted to do some fact finding. I wanted to make sure, you know, kind of the thoughts that I had that were going on, you know, were congruent and consistent. So I did some outward reach to my mom's um, sisters and, um, you know, her brother. And I, I asked them, I said, tell me about this stuff that you guys saw in Kansas City. And overwhelmingly, they wanted to tell me. You know, one of my aunts in particular, she said that she had witnessed, um, you know, a lot of the abuse that was going on, a lot of the physical abuse. And she intervened and, you know, took us out of the situation, my brother and I. And uh, it was very, very hard, you know, for her to see that. And then, you know, when I was in Florida, one of my aunts, who is no longer living, told her brother about all the abuse that I was going through individually. And my uncle said, Chris, we knew. And there was just nothing that we could do about it. And, you know, I, I kind of felt on an island by myself. But again, I developed this skill set to deal with what was going on and to kind of see myself through the situation positively, no matter what was going on. And there was a lot going on, you know, during that time frame. And, um, you know, things were what they were. And I developed hopefully into a positive individual and, um, you know, trying to do well for other people, you know, through my experiences. And like I said, it wasn't all bad. I developed um, some specific things um, as a result of my parents. So one of the things that I developed from my mom in particular is the value of a good education. So I was at the same school that in which she taught, and I was in second grade. I almost failed second grade. And looking back, I know why. I wasn't focused because of everything that was going on at home. So the summer after my second grade, she took it upon herself to make sure that I had every tool and opportunity afforded to me in regards to education. She made me sit in basically every day that summer and do significant amounts of study. And it was a speak and spell, old school um, way of learning how to spell and pronounce words. And then we also did math. Well, what that did for me is it set me up for success the next year. I was the probably the second best student in the class. What it did long term for me is it gave me another depth in my brain where I could focus when things were going wrong. And that transcended into college and other things when I was, you know, not doing very well socially or what was going on in my life. And so that ended up me getting a full academic scholarship into college. And it came from the point is 
I didn't want to have to rely on my parents because the rug could have been pulled out from under me like it had been in the past. And I wanted to be self-sufficient. I want to share a story about my mother that encapsulizes all the abuse actually in one event. And um, as you know, I like to kind of share some stories. I was 13. I was in my home in Orlando. It was a house that my parents were renting at the time. And as would commonly happen, my mother would chase me, as she did my brother, um, chase us to inflict physical harm. This time she chased me and I made it to my room first and I closed the door actually um, on her arm. She was um, again getting ready to strike me in the face and which was common. She would um, hit me in the face and um, closed the door on her arm and then she tried to get through the door again and I grabbed her arm and I said to her, mom, the last time that you hit me, that was it. You're not going to hit me anymore. At that point, I was the same height or maybe a little bit taller than my mom, and I was probably physically stronger than her, and I realized it. And she realized it as well. And what she said to me, she said, boy, let me hit you. And I said, no, that was the last time that you're going to hit me. And then she ran to my father, who was in another area of the house, and actually in their bedroom, and she would call my father Dale. She said, Dale, Christopher is not letting me hit him. And my father said, well, I guess if he's big enough and he can restrain you, you can't hit him anymore. So up to that point, my father never defended me. He never stopped the abuse. So I was always alone until that aspect. I felt control in the situation and I felt like she was no longer going to be able to hit me. After that point, you know, she got a couple off, you know, probably when I wasn't looking. Um, And... I realized a couple of things. One is that my relationship with the woman in my life, being my mother, was dysfunctional at best. I was used to someone that was abusing me. And in turn, my outlook with women uh, was dramatically changed too. And so my thought as when I got into any kind of a altercation with any female was that it was okay to um, be violent. Luckily for me, I was 13 and I didn't have any confrontations with any females or had the feelings to until probably I was 16 or 17. My father, after that event that I just described, witnessed me in another altercation with my mother. And again, he witnessed me and what was about to happen. And I was about to physically attack my mother. And my father pulled me aside, literally pulled me aside. And he said, we don't hit women. Dale men don't hit women. And he said, and he reiterated, if you ever lay your hands on your mother, I'm going to do something far worse to you that you can ever imagine. And so from that point, um, I figured, you know, my dad was a very big and um, could be an intimidating man, that I'm not going to let my, you know, put my hands on any woman because I didn't want, you know, him to also inflict punishment on me. I'd already been, you know, being brutalized by my mother. And if I did something else, now he's going to be attacking me too. So that's what my mother did for me. She truly made me self-sufficient. And then my father, in the times that I did see in him mentoring, 
he instilled in me to mentor and the ability to give back. I also developed a lot of good business acumen from my father. I also learned how to look at the good side of situations. They always have a definitive time frame. So the question I have been asked is that, would I take care of my parents all over again? And unequivocally, the answer is yes. So I've been built with this moral compass. And although I went through a lot of hardship with my parents and seen a lot of things that um, many other kids may, may have not seen, it was my world. And if I turned my back on my parents, I would have been no better than the situation that I came from. And unknowingly for me, I wanted to completely change the trajectory of what I had seen, what I had experienced. And I didn't want anybody to feel sorry for me. And I didn't want anything that I had seen or felt or had been exposed to to be an excuse for me to act a certain way. And, you know, my parents did, they did a lot of good for me. So I wanted to talk about something in regards to my mom. My parents, like I said, did a lot of good for me. And, uh, you know, take this time to, you know, brag on my mom. So my mom, she instilled very, very early on um, the power of a good education for me. And I had mentioned uh, previously that, um, you know, my mom one summer, you know, kind of just took me aside and, you know, made me buckle down. And I was the best student, or excuse me, the second best student in um, the class. What that did for me, it infinitely gave me another skill. And unbeknownst to me, you know, the skill of, you know, reaching my potential, um, that's probably pretty obvious, but the skill of having a solid and good education. And what that did is any other times that I had any kind of emotional things that were going on or social things that were going on that were outside of my control, I could buckle down and I could study and I could block out everything that was going around me. And that was a skill that went on heavily um, when I went into college, when my mother had cancer and then on into my parents' declining years, I utilized that. And it may not have been the best copingism, but that was a copingism that has brought me success, both in school and um, in my career. And so I attribute that aspect to my mom. And it also, you know, helped me to get a full academic scholarship because I did feel for a long time, you know, because of my experiences of not having money as a child, that the rug could be pulled out from under me. And so I strive to get that full academic scholarship, and I got that. And so I was able to control my own fate. And then, you know, in regards to my father, when we moved to Florida, I let my dad know that he was absent. Uh, I did not shy away from that, and I was very, very resentful. And I felt in some parts he tried to make up for that for a long time. And I think the um, first probably several years, um, probably the first seven or eight years. Um, I think he made attempts. I don't know that they were successful, but I, I do remember good times that I would spend with my father, but I do re- recall times that, you know, he was not there as well. But when he was with me, it was very, very impactful. And I remember him taking me on business meetings. I remember him taking me 
to witness mentoring other people. And those things really stuck or they made an imprint on me long term. And my dad would instill values in me. And like I had mentioned before, he had a quote, you know, do as I say, don't do as I do. So he had always advocated for me to mentor and give back. He had always and my my mom said, you've got a lot of opportunities here. Um, you should use these opportunities. You've given gifts that other people haven't been given. And I was brought up, you know, after we kind of got past a lot of that hardship. And I'm going to put a mark in the sand or a line in the sand of age 16. Um, when a lot of that stuff started to drift away in regards to um, my mom's outward burst um, of taking things out on me. And then uh, my father kind of buckling down and um, what I believe is, you know, kind of settling down and focusing at least for a few years, you know, on his marriage to my mom and then, you know, on me. So things, you know, did get better. And then I, you know, eventually graduated high school and went off to college. And the opportunities that I had as a result of my father being in business helped me out greatly. And it also extended helping out a lot of other people. So, you know, it was it was just a unique situation because, again, here I'm knowing and seeing all this stuff, not really putting it all together and understanding. But then I'm having my parents kind of telling me, well, this is what you need to be like. So they're telling me, you know, this information, but I have not necessarily seen the reality. So those were kind of the two opposing factors that I've been dealing with, you know, for a long time. And another question that I've been asked is, you know, your mom chose to stick around and, you know, she didn't leave. And I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, she could have left. She could have done a number of things. Um, you know, back then, I don't know how prevalent counseling was. She could have gotten counseling. There's a lot of what ifs or things that she could have done. But I'd like to focus, like I said, on the positive aspect. My mom stayed with my father, regardless of how hard that was on her emotionally and um, how hard it was when she was projecting her emotions on my brother and I. She stuck together and tried to hold our family together. And I take that and I hold that with me every day. And I say that that one aspect makes me the family man that I am today. I hold on to that and I try not to dwell on all the other stuff, even though it's come up recently. And, you know, I'm having to deal with a significant grief trigger. And this has all come up and my mind is starting to get clear and I'm seeing things in the past because, as you can imagine, I blocked out a lot of stuff. And the brain is a remarkable, remarkable tool. And my brain protected me for a lot of years by blocking that stuff out. And it was because of all the trauma that I saw. And probably the number one thing, because I mentioned that I forgave my dad um, initially. Then I had to go through a whole nother process of realizing his infidelity caused my mom to act out. And my mom's acting out uh, was in the form of abuse. And so I have now had to go back and re-forgive my dad all over again because of the repercussions. And so, yes, I have forgiven my father and I've also forgiven my mother. And, you know, someone else asked me, well, what would the conversation be with your father? And the conversation would be, I'm very disappointed in the decisions that you've made. I'd have a very stern conversation with him. I still love you, 
However, you did some very bad things, and it was a ripple effect to a lot of other people. Of course, I have forgiven my mom. Um, She didn't know any better, and she was just trying to hold the family together. And I'll leave this with you as a parting fact of changing the trajectory of life. So my brother, as you know, we have a very good relationship now. My brother witnesses me with my sons and the way that I handle my sons, which is totally different than the way my mother interacted with me. And my brother said this to me one time. He said, the boys were acting up and I saw that you gave them the first chance, then the second chance. And then you were about to give them a third chance and you literally stepped back and then you re-engaged. And he said, I am probably one of the few people on the planet that understood what you did. You didn't want to act or react out of anger. So you stepped back and then you re-engaged and evaluated the situation. And then it chose the appropriate form of discipline at that point. That right there is what I'd like to tote my hat on is changing the trajectory of my past. And my brother gets it and I love him for that. So with that being said, I'm going to kind of sign off on this podcast. And there was a lot in the first part of this podcast and the second part of this podcast. And you know, I hope this gives you a foundation of, you know, where I come from a financial sense and why I do what I do. And it's not all about, you know, dollars and cents. The background for me, very, very important as to where I came and I got my money habits, you know, as a a young child and experiences. And I want to help people and not have them duplicate or be in a similar situation. So that's what I'm all about at this point. Um, Love what I do. And I'm very, very gracious for my experiences. I know that I've been given an extreme gift. Trauma, I believe you have a decision. You can either, you know, kind of just deal with it and be mediocre uh, or you can choose the super survivor status. And I really strive to give back and do better with the tools, the traumas that I've been given And when I hear uh, people talking about me or if I hear myself speaking, I sometimes view it as an out-of-body experience. Again, but I'm grateful for, you know, the opportunities that I've been given. And I have to look at this situation, you know, both sides of the coin. You know, with the bad and the trauma, there was also a lot of good. My parents um, introduced me to a lot of good people and they put me in um, some good situations. So, like I said, it wasn't all bad. There was definitely some trauma there. I recognize that and I've gotten the proper help to, you know, deal with that and reconcile, you know, with that trauma. And I think, you know, to the tune of that, people are listening and to my experiences, to the people that I bring on the podcast. And I see people listening, you know, not just here in the States and it's worldwide. And I'm really happy to see that. And if any one of my experiences can help someone else and make their day better or encourage them to get the help they need because I'm willing to bring out the information, the hard information, then I've done my job. And above and beyond that, I have two young boys that I have to set an example for. And that's what I look at in regards to changing the trajectory of what I went through and frankly, what my brother, you know, went through as well as a child. I appreciate you listening and please feel free 
to support the show. Um, any support that you provide can help me extend my reach to more people. So cheers, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you are a client and are looking to work directly with Chris and or our firm, head on over to Life After Grief FP. That is Life After Grief FP. The FP is for financial planning. If you are an advisor looking to emotionally and financially work with your client in grief, or if you are a client looking to get your advisor's head in the game, head on over to lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. That is lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. Any related information referenced in this week's podcast will be located here in the podcast section.